0: everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld, and you are listening to the latest Rosenfeld Review Podcast. My guest today is Nathan Curtis. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Lou. Great to have you on the show. In fact, I, I, I kind of feel like we've had you on before. Uh, I'm getting to the point where between recording something like 90 podcasts and just my advancing age, I don't really remember. I've had a couple people on twice, and you know, you're someone that, it, you know, it, it's, I should remember, because it's always memorable to talk with you, not to, not to put any pressure on you. <laughs> I, I'm always impressed by the work you're doing. For those of you who don't know Nathan, he's one of the uh, two founders with Dan Brown of Eight Shapes. You know, Eight Shapes is kind of an interesting company because you guys, uh, back in the day, were doing like uh, some of the best IA work uh, that I knew about. And I actually ref- recommended you for a number of uh, projects, so. I like to think you owe me, but let's be honest. You, your your work really stood for uh, on its own. Now you guys are are doing different stuff, right? You're not an agency at this point, but have a different model.
1: Well, I'd say the business has evolved some. Uh, you know, since we opened in 2006, and Dan and I were historically uh, information architects and and evolved into user experience design, and that was the umbrella that we cast on our agency. But really, in the last three or so years, we've really started to hone in on a couple different more specific categories Dan does a lot of work on discovery projects really very early on conceiving a product direction and thinking about the scope and the and the research that goes into those kinds of things and I'm frankly on the other end uh, I have so doubled down on design systems and thinking about not just the the systemization of, of a design solution and, and how it blends in with front-end development but really, the, the process by which you create a program at companies at scale and, and, and you create design systems for, you know, 50 or 100 or more product squads that, that use it and so it's been actually a real delight to get so focused on a narrow problem and and talk about it all the time because you know I just love that challenge and, and creating that bridge between design and engineering and so that's that's where the company's gone and our engagements that we have with clients really reflect that from workshops and talks and coaching to the the bigger stuff that we do well it's not surprising that you're
0: doubling down on design systems I know it's been a number of years now that your book uh, was published. It's a modular web design. And um, in a way you were probably uh, like a little too early uh, in a sense uh, because that, that topic is really, I think a design systems topic, maybe under a different moniker. But when did that book come out?
1: Oh, 2009, it's almost 10 years old. And it really reflects the time. You know, half the book is dedicated to the design tools of the era the illustrators and indesigns and photoshops and so on that people use to embed their symbol libraries in and make design more efficient and rapidly produced and so on. But the other part of the book, and, and I think it reflects the industry in general, It is more evergreen around the processes and, and administration of, of the impacts of a library like that on how work gets done. I mean today we call them product organizations and squads and agile and, and all those terms, but these design systems existed in the past decade and, and really places like Yahoo and, and eBay and Sun and Cisco, they led the way they had huge component libraries, actually far bigger than the ones we see out in the wild today. But with the changing of the front end and and the better processes we have by teams and the, the scale of design and organizations, I think design systems, and really what that entails is taking on a different character this decade. And, and I, I think 10 years on is a, recognized as a different beast. Well, one of these days
0: I will, I will succeed finally in, in, in convincing you to write another book, but in the <laughs> uh,
1: I love writing about this stuff. I mean, but I get a lot of reward out of the medium posts that I write and, and, and really just the engagement with everybody. It seems like every couple of days you'll see on medium someone's writing about the success of design systems in their org and how they framed it and and really uh this and, and what they did to make it all work uh, i call them system success stories and it's probably my deepest quantity of bookmarks in my browser just because it's so easy to read them and the themes are, are so recurring but it's still encouraging to see everybody have that success
0: fair enough uh, you, you know you're you're sort of you're on thin ice there, buddy, because you're talking to a book publisher and <laughs> media, great, but they're not necessarily the same as a book that pulls things together, looks for the patterns and you know, deduces the principles and puts it all. It's In effect, it's a design system in its own right. That said, um, you are teaching a workshop on this topic and, and you're specifically focused on scalable design systems. That's the name of your workshop. Uh, uh, that Nathan is going to be teaching at Enterprise UX 2018, uh, which if you listen to this podcast series, you know, because I've said it before, is in San Francisco, June 13th through 15th. And uh, the uh, website is enterpriseux.net. And um, this is one of the four workshops. Actually, your partner, Dan Brown, is teaching one as well. Let's talk a little bit about the workshop. So I'm going to ask you to do something that you probably don't enjoy doing, but let's get it out of the way. I think you should, for those people who may not be familiar with the, the guts of a design system, what, what's in a design system? What are you what, what is being systematized? What are the components? Let's start there and then maybe we can talk about what's involved in scaling that up.
1: Well, if I had 15 seconds in an elevator, I'd say a design system is the standardization of a visual style and UI components that other teams use as a library so that they can more rapidly build an experience, a digital experience. Um, The definition of a design system can take on a a lot of different forms from there. It always includes some sort of visual style and and UI componentry, but is it UX patterns? Does it include editorial style? Does it include brand and, and data visualization? The range of categories that you can include in such a practice is pretty wide. The other thing that I think people struggle with normalizing what a design system is, is the scale to which it applies. You could have one designer and one engineer collaborating on a single product squad and systematize what they're designing and building. And that is a design system for them. I think the challenges that we talk about with design systems at scale is really the separation of that concern of that layer of visual style and and basic componentry, elemental componentry that you start to use to compose experiences from a product squad, so that's reusable across product squads. And so that design systems get at, okay, who's gonna adopt it? Who are your customers? It also gets at how are you gonna communicate what's in it and how to use it? That often trends towards considerations of documentation. And then mm-hmm. it also gets at how the roots of how decisions are made that teams share. And so that gets at community and 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 how, say, in a design organization, you foster that through the culture of critique and, and visibility across products. And in an engineering uh, organization, that, that gets at questions of frameworks and coding style and other kinds of standards. And design systems really starts to bleed across those borders, but becomes... Part of the operations of of an organization and the infrastructure of how they get stuff done across teams
0: uh, backing up just a little bit to where you're talking about uh, uh, what a uh, what a uh, squad uh, would you say product squad is that the term
1: yeah a squad a team wh- however you want to refer to uh, that
0: it sounds like scalable design systems which you're covering in your workshop is really about design systems of design systems
1: I would say so, maybe. maybe. Um, design, but design systems are really about extracting the decisions that you want to share across a lot of teams and gaining efficiencies and consistency around how you get that shared and, and essentially deployed across all of those teams. What colors are you going to use? What's the font family? What's your iconography style and all the SVGs that you want to use? Even those base aspects of a visual style, color type icons, are mm-hmm. things that – lead to a lot of perceptions of baseline consistency. And frankly, every team shouldn't be doing it. Every team shouldn't be building buttons. Every team shouldn't be building text inputs. Because you build it once, you should be able to reuse that kind of stuff across 50 teams. And so that's where the role of design systems comes into play. The system of systems that I I feel you talking about is really how they get propagated and really the sense of of, of distribution and consumption across those teams and, and how different teams may interpret the use of them differently, may apply them in different ways and, and make decisions that either extend or override how the base system, even a visual styles, color type and icons gets started from the, the core. I imagine that, uh, you know,
0: you use terms like propagation and deployment and that's almost the tip of the iceberg. And if you scratch a little deeper, you start getting into things like uh, compliance and, and uh, governance. And is that, something that you address in uh your workshop
1: uh not explicitly uh i think the character of design systems that i portray is is one of being a product that other teams consume essentially uh a team that is out making an experience let's say for account registration and management for a a dot-com uh they're gonna consume this design system and use it to make their own work that then the end customers uh, use. And so I tend to characterize systems more successfully as one is a bunch of stuff that's gonna equip you as a team to be successful. And you as a team are still in charge of solving that account management problem yourself and making decisions around the applicability of all the different decisions and tools that come with the system. There's gonna be some social pressure not to reinvent the color palette and inject a whole new icon library because that's part of the, the ethic that the whole organization's gonna have. But um, I, I tend to try and foster this belief that the system is there to equip product teams or teams in general to be successful, but you still need to engender the autonomy of each of those teams to make the decisions that they need to.
0: Right. I mean, as, as in so many things, you have this balancing act between uh, centralization and autonomy. I and mean, what I've often seen, and certainly from the my perspective, that um, even within the same organization, you have to support differing levels of those. One team might require or, or need a lot more centralization than another.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and part of the design system is making stuff and equipping teams with stuff, that's relevant to lots of people. And so people will look at a design system and say, oh, that's it's a bunch of components. So that's where all the components go. Absolutely not. The kinds of principles and discussions we'll have in the workshop will be around setting expectations that a design system is a place to include the stuff that we all share, but omit the stuff that we don't. Um, I use the calendar picker as a really good example there are basics around a calendar picker that lots of teams could use, but even at Marriott, the needs of a calendar picker on the page that you start a search versus the page that you edit a search versus a page that you're really editing a reservation that's already made are different. And so you don't wanna necessarily embed all the requirements of all the calendar pickers into one place because it's unstable and and it's really not equipped to handle that kind of change and, and depth and diversity. Um, as opposed to say a primary button. Everybody has the same kind of primary button, use this one. So, all right, that's a really good
0: example. So, you know, under you, you may have many potential calendar pickers, and it's hard to just sort of come up with a, a single widget that, or at least template that everyone should be using. That's totally understandable. But what's so interesting to me is when you when you have that situation, you actually have uh, a, a, really an organization that has, because it has so many people who, for example, have experience with calendar pickers, maybe you've created some, they're a resource. And when you go to the design system to learn about, to see if there's something you can use for a calendar picker, you might say, all right, well, this isn't gonna work for me. Is, is, are, are these systems starting to, to, to introduce the fact that there is expertise elsewhere that can be brought to bear in in the organization in other words all right you know um, we can't give you a one size fits all we can give you some guidance and we can connect you to people who have expertise who can help you within the organization what if you're seeing that at all
1: yeah i see it in a couple of different ways one is that a design system program often ends up being a curator or moderator of conversations that span teams The the fact that they're a more infrastructural or operational entity that's serving lots of different teams gives them that visibility and that connectedness to a lot of people. And so people will then look at that connectedness and say, oh, that's where the standards come from, but also that's where I can ask a question and they're gonna know, hey, oh, Johnny's the expert on icons. Or, you know, it's really Mary who's the motion expert and and you start to elevate these these sort of topically relevant experts in your org and they become this hub of conversation around iconography or motion we at one company have uh, a, a, essentially a group of segment owners and iconography and motion are examples of segments or sort of topical categories that you can think about that are underserved by the core of the system but are still relevant to be spread around a lot of people And that segment group meets every other week and talks about all the different challenges they're having using the system as their own infrastructure to project that message. The other place that it comes into play beyond this sort of segment concept is uh, a community of contribution. You have people that make the system and then other people that use the system and sometimes the mindset of the people that use the system transforms into people that want to contribute back to the system and so That becomes an interesting conversation because team six making the sixth date picker suddenly says, I have a date picker. I see there's not a date picker. I want to contribute it. So you have to go through a process of understanding, are they capable to, are they talented enough? But by and far, the most important questions are, is this relevant to everybody? And do you have the time to actually do the contribution? The relevance question is a difficult initial question because they don't necessarily have an appreciation for what everybody else needs, and so that might mean that it's not relevant. But the time or the capacity question is really the root of contributions. I've been burned too, too often by people that say, we need a layout grid, or we need a calendar picker, or we need a card, and then they say they're going to contribute it, and then three months later, they're still just so consumed by their own product team's responsibilities that they have no time to give you the contribution. So you have to be really delicate to, to curate those contributions from the people that have relevant stuff and have the time to make it happen.
0: Well, it's a, it's a rich area. I wish we had more time to, to discuss it further. And again, you know, of course, uh, you know, if I could persuade you to write about it sometime, that'd be one way to handle it. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a, it's such a rich area. And if you are attending enterprise UX in July, I'm sorry, in June in, in San Francisco, you have the opportunity to take a full day course with Nathan Curtis. It's called Scalable Design Systems. Nathan, it's been great to talk with you. Is there any uh, last uh, uh, note you want to leave us with?
1: I guess it's just that it's been a wonderful experience the last few years to participate in this design systems community. And, and with other people, we have a design systems Slack that has like over 6,000 people in it talking design systems all the time. But it gets to how we all share our stuff. And so, what's been on my mind for recently is I attended a a talk by Kerry Saarinen from Airbnb. He's one of the design leads in their design system. And, and also, I worked on a, a book for Envision called Design Systems Handbook that ended with The Future of Design Systems by Roy Stanfield. They're both members of this Airbnb team that, my gosh, they're like light years ahead of basically everybody. Uh, in operationalizing and centralizing how design systems work, but through that you could find a lot of inspiration. And so they're an example of just contributors that, that expose what they're doing to the community that, that we can all learn from and benefit from. So that, that's something that's on my mind. Well, thanks for mentioning those.
0: And uh, thank you again. Really glad to have you join us at Enterprise UX and always great to talk with you. Nathan, Curtis, uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yep, look forward to seeing you in June.